Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always, fantastic Derek Brissett and the amazing Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, it seems that like right before we recorded podcasting, um, the news was just kind of being pelted at us. So I'm glad that we, we kind of delayed it a little bit, not just for, you know, Scotty's final reasons, but also it ended up working well in our favor. Dude, I actually checked that and I'll just, Dan, you absolutely, absolutely nailed that prediction, man. I know. And I like, actually, for the first time ever, you have a correct <laughs> sports prediction in the entire time that I've known you. It's because I know much more about curling than I do about rugby. Dude, yeah. You need, you need to do a curling podcast, man. You no, know, my right. wife and I have talked about that. We would call it our house. Oh, like we live in a house and in the curling house. It isn't there like a coffee company that probably has that trademarked or something. Our house. Well, it's a song and then Maxwell house. Make your house a Maxwell house. Wow. Oh. We shouldn't say that unless Maxwell no. House is sponsoring us. We don't. We no, Maxwell they are House. Not. Maxwell House, please money. don't sue us. Yeah, Maxwell House needs to give us money to endorse <laughs> endorse their coffee on our show. So, well, well but congrats, man, gentlemen. Like, first time in your life, I think you've nailed a sports prediction. You know what? I didn't want that outcome either. Like I wanted Holman to win. Like how cool of a story would have been if Rachel Holman, eight months pregnant, like they they had some interviews with her about like just the absolute pain she's in, like just like. You you know if you guys ever become uh, fathers, you guys will learn that like the muscles in your in in your partner's hips and in like their glutes are just being absolutely stretched all to hell, uh, and and the sciatic nerves are just flaring up all the time. So for someone to have to be constantly in a lunge for like ten end games, which could be up to maybe three hours depending on how long the game goes, because like baseball, it just goes as long as it needs to. Um it's crazy that she was able to be one of the best players in the tournament. It, it was astounding. It's and I Stu, wanted her to win and she didn't. It's Stu, do you have anything we can open a podcast with? That's not curling. Uh, so there was this, there was this niche sport I've heard of. Uh, they had a world cup in it a couple of years ago. Um, uh, Early. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's called rugby union, I believe. Uh-huh. Uh, who wants to talk about rugby union, especially since the briar, which is the men's championship starts on Friday. So you guys aren't done with me yet about curling. There's actual MLR games happening this weekend. Like actual like MLR teams are going to play against other MLR teams in actual rugby matches. Yeah. That's like, what I will be watching. John Epping, you know, good old Peterborough guy, you know, oh my plain, so. All right, John, well, you know what? Let's start. Let's talk rugby. You want to talk rugby? Let's talk some rugby. Yes, so- because most people have already turned off this episode. So. <laughs> If anybody, if anyone is still listening, thank you. Um, we apologize for uh, Dan. Dan gets really into curling. Um, if you want to start a curling podcast with Dan, please let us know. Um, me and Stu will happily give you his number or email or any other contact. <laughs> that way he doesn't keep hijacking our show to talk about curling. <laughs> oh, I will never stop hijacking this show. All right, gentlemen. I. Uh, so, like I said earlier, uh, big news has uh, uh, come out of uh, Major League Rugby and the rugby world. So let's get into it. The first thing we're going to start with is uh, a new partner for Major League Rugby. Um, American Airlines has joined Major League Rugby as the official airline and travel partner of the league. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting news. I mean, we saw a, a really strong partnership with um 
Air Transat in uh, the Toronto Wolfpack, and we saw how that kind of was beneficiary for the team and and the and the the company. So it's nice to see uh, MLR get a pretty, I mean, pretty well known uh, airline, and also be attached with a multi year agreement. Um, in my opinion. Um, but I want to hear from you guys. What, how big of a deal is this for MLR? Uh, you know, this this is another kind of uh, cornerstone uh, partnership that they've they've set for themselves. It's a pretty big deal, to put it mildly. Um, so one of the big issues that MLR had, especially in its uh, second year, was the issue of transport costs with teams um, going across the United States and into Canada. Um, basically going uh, coast to coast uh, week after week and obviously to have a airline as one of your partners can definitely reduce the cost of this now there aren't that many details as to what the partnership includes and it's also worth reminding that i believe it's the it's either the free jacks or old glory have a partnership with delta oh, free i believe jacks. it's a free jacks Yep, thank you. Just wanted to make sure. Um, you got the colors right. And the coast. Yeah. The colors, the yeah, coast. So, You're cool. so, you know, basically the same team at this point. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, still, this is one of the airlines that are known for having uh, hubs across America. And um, they do have a head offices in Dallas, which is also where the head offices of Major League Rugby are held, which, you know, is convenient to say the least. Uh, but other area, other um, hubs, sorry, include uh, Charlotte in North Carolina, Chicago, uh, Los Angeles, Miami, New York, both JFK and LaGuardia Airport, uh, Philadelphia, uh, Phoenix, and Washington, D.C. And you can tell by just a few of those names that already have MLR teams there. And even just having a transportation between those two hubs or two of those hubs even is going to make a world of difference to the teams in the league. Um, like I said, we don't know all the finite details of what this deal is, but having a airline partnership is something that other major sporting leagues have and will definitely be of a benefit to the league. Yeah, I think um, also... You know, it might be important to note too, like knowing what George Kilbrew's background is, um, where he, you know, previously was an executive for quite some time with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, the Dallas Mavericks play at the American Airlines Center. Um, so I'm sure there was a little bit of a pre existing relationship between um, Kilbrew and, you know, the powers that be at, the, at America's Airlines that were able to help make that happen. Um, I think, yeah, it's it is an important thing for the league, right? Like travel, travel cost is, is one of the, like, a, is a big deal for all sports, all sports leagues, all sports, professional sports teams. So um, to have a partner in that is great. The idea that they are partnering um, and they're going to be the travel partner and stuff. Um, that's definitely helpful, especially in this year, um, given that, you know, the state of kind of like the travel industry and having, you know, to deal with traveling through a uh, global pandemic and stuff. So having an airline partner, I would imagine is going to go a long way to help out a lot in that. And it's also, it is also great to see like, you know, the league attracting these 
big name sponsors as well, right? Like American Airlines, a big deal. It's probably one of the more well-known United States airlines. So um, seeing like, you know, it, it prov- would provide like a lot of like, you know, clout for like, you know, if anybody else is interested in sponsoring the league and stuff, you know, the Major League Rugby can point to it and be like, look, like American Airlines sponsors us or whatever. That means, hmm. you know, you guys should do it because like, look at this, this big company that we have sponsoring us too, right? Um, so I think it's uh, it's a big benefit. Um, I do I do kind of wonder how much Killebrew's any pre-existing relationship that Killebrew might have had with American Airlines helped this. Um, and you know, I think that's part of why he was brought in as commissioner too, right? Like that was one of the things that he said right when he got hired was that he wanted to, you know, help increase like sponsorship revenue of the league, right? So um it looks like uh he's we're taking some steps in the right direction here you know you said a word that we don't use enough clout <clears throat> i like it i like it um we're gonna kind of just go a little 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 fantasy kind of banter here gentlemen um out of all the hubs that kind of Stu just mentioned where do you want to see an mlr team i know for for myself i kind of flip-flopped um i definitely think i want to see like a philadelphia team though like Use the eagle colors, which really aren't kind of used in our league, to that green, black, and silver, and and just be absolutely the worst. Because no I know Philly fans are normally just super aggressive, and I I would love it. I would love the banter and throw just, another Eastern Conference team in there. Just to let you know, Dan, the only reason there is no green and black team in Major League Rugby this year is because the Dallas Jackals postponed their season. Yeah, they're teal though. That's not the same. They're, like I'm talking totally like green. Force green. No, teal is not green. If you yeah, put no, no, no. Like Ireland against the jackals, you'd be able to, to tell the difference. The jackal, the jackals are definitely not teal. The jackals are green, for sure. They're like the same green as the Dallas Stars, for sure. I'm going to look at their jerseys Stu, right now. Stu, you have to, you have to, Stu, you have to barge in here. You have to be the determining factor. Uh, that's I wanted. If there's any, um, it's totally teal, can... not green. Teal, I'd say, is closer to green than it is to any other of the primary or secondary colors in the uh, color spectrum or light spectrum, I believe. Mm, but what? um, God. yeah, I'd say it's close to green. Yeah, thank you, Stu. Thank that's you. not the San no, Jose, That's not again. The San Jose Sharks are teal. Like that's what teal is. The jackals do not look like the sharks. That's like that's what what teal is. Teal is right. like who do you? Blue. I'm I'm moving on from this conversation because you guys are starting to frustrate me, and we've only been like a few minutes into the show. Let's <laughs> pick your teams, damn it! Where do you want a team in one of the hubs? Options oh. are Charlotte, Miami, Philadelphia, Phoenix. I, I mean, I don't just really for think fun, it just. Just for fun, just for fun. I was going to say, I don't, I feel like every time something geographic comes up with Major League Rugby stuff, we're like, is a team going to be there? It's like American Airlines sponsors it. Where do they have an office that doesn't have a team? And though maybe there'll be a team there. George Killebrew said he likes chicken wings. Buffalo's going to get a team. Um, Listen, well, you know, when they also flaunt the fact that they're talking to what, 10 different yes, they did, yes. suitors? It's kind of hard to not be like, sure. who are I, they talking to? All right. So base. All right. Fine. So. Although I'm like, eh, I don't think that this is in any way an indicator of places getting a team. But if you're going to make me pick, 
Um, I say the same thing I've said every other time we have this discussion. You go after the biggest markets, and right now the biggest one that the league doesn't have a team in is Philly. So Philly. For no other reason. For no other reason. They don't have to be green, though. They don't have to be green and black. We have a green and black team already, but Philly. Yeah, we also have like a gazillion red and blue teams. So I don't want them using the Phillies colors. We already got an orange team, too. We already got the orange team, too. So like maybe if they went like orange and black, like the Flyers, maybe. But like the Gilgronis jerseys last year when they did the white name bar kind of looked like the Flyers with the white name. Flyers. Bar it looked yeah. very sort of Flyers-y. Yeah, that's um, but you know what? You can just pick your own unique color combination too. So Yeah, that's going to be the basis of my answer. So I'm picking um, just to have the rivalry with the Texan teams, um, Phoenix in Arizona. Mm-hmm. But I would say that one of their kits, be it home or away, because it's not going to be a clash, is to go with the flag of Phoenix, which is maroon and white. And I, because, you know, I think purple is, and maroon and purple are great colors to have. And we need more sports teams that can rock that like royal purple look. So why not have one and then use the colors of your um, city's flags to, you know, demonstrate it and. Let's show it off. We're just stealing all the hot. I, I just want, I want to see a t- I want to see a t- Basically, the Arizona Coyotes. I was going to say, yeah, I, no, I, yeah. I like we're it. just we're just stealing like it, all but, the hockey team yeah. combinations now. Okay. That's fair. That's fine. All right. Thank you for for uh, pleasing my my mind, gentlemen. All right. Moving on. Um, a little closer to home, and we're still kind of talking with sponsorships. Um, the Toronto Arrows announced that their senior academy. Um, has uh, named a presenting partner, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, on a two-year deal. Uh, 1-800-GOT-JUNK has uh, um, been pretty active in, in in sport sponsorships. Fun fact, they actually sponsor uh, one of the uh, the one of the curling teams out of uh, Toronto, whose skip is from Peterborough, if uh, if you really, really need to know. And I believe, no, and correct no, me if no, I'm I wrong, gentlemen. I don't know needed to know that. No, they, they did. You're but just shoehorning curling into not the podcast, right? I, Well, yeah, that's, that's just a guarantee. But didn't the Arrows not do, like, um, kind of, like, advertising campaigns with 1-800-GOT-JUNK? Like, they were moving. That is correct. They did a competition with them during May of 2019. That's, that's what when I they When they moved from Alumni Field to Lamport Stadium and uh, – one lucky fan in the GTA could have their place decluttered there with arrows players. So, so a pre-existing relationship uh, between uh, the company and the arrows. Um, however, this this will be kind of the naming rights or the pre- presenting partner for the senior academy. Um, what can we expect from this deal with uh, with one eight hundred got junk for the arrows? Um, I mean. I think you can expect to see 1-800-GOT-JUNK um, written on a lot of the Academy stuff, um, which, like they said, like they've already had that association with the Toronto Arrows. Um, the th- press release really highlighted the fact that 1-800-GOT-JUNK employs a lot of like rugby players and is willing to employ a lot of rugby players. Um, and I think, you know, at the stage, like especially for an Academy team and stuff, you need... Like you do kind of need that employer that's willing to 
kind of give you that flexible schedule in order to actually go and do it. Cause you're definitely not making enough money to live off of being in an, being on an MLR Academy team, but to play for an Academy team, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of effort. That's a lot of energy. So, um, you know, even including that with, um, like you said, Stu, like the last year they ran a contest in which 1-800 got junk and you would have arrows players show up. And, um, I think, I think you're just going to kind of see like a bit of a, one of those, like a little bit of like that cohesive, like partnership kind of working together kind of relationship. Um, I would imagine there's like, I mean, the press release doesn't indicate anything, so it's just speculation and stuff, but I would imagine they're probably going to continue to run things like that contest and stuff, or maybe offer other discounts or whatever, um, to arrows fans or to season ticket holders, stuff like that. But, um, I guess we'll, uh, we'll wait to see what happens as they kind of grow this relationship a little bit more and see what, uh, what they begin to offer at that point. Yeah, I think you've uh, pretty much hit the nail on the head. And I've got to say, uh, from the press release where they have the Senior Academy logo next to the Got Junk logo, I got to say, it looks good on a blue background. And I don't know, I think it'll probably <laughs> the look got good junk on logo? a gold background. Yeah. And because the thing that I want to see more than anything is uh, merch with uh, that logo on. And by that logo, I mean the Senior Academy logo. And if that means I have to also have the Got Junk logo on it as well, at least it'll blend in pretty well and fits uh, quite well as well on top of that. Um, now, my my, pres- my my question, is there a precedent uh, for, for teams to sell Academy swag? Yes, the Freak like- Axe, too. Yeah, you can. Oh, get- yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, you can, you can get yourself true. some uh, some Nightwatch, uh, Nightwatch merch if you want. No, you just like the Night Watch. You keep on bringing it up. The Night Watch is an unreal. As much as I, as much unreal. as I bring the curling up, you bring up the Night Watch just as much. The Night Watch a is a rugby related. team, Dan. This is a rugby podcast. It's a rugby. Allegedly, team. have they played a game yet? Uh, they've had. I think they've had practices or something. The Free Jacks have done something with them. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so, that's yeah. Um, but yeah, they do, the... they do sell that. So um, it would be nice. I would love to see academy merch especially since it's like the more i see it the more i kind of love that logo um so i would love i would love for the i would love for the academy merch just to be for kids no no that, not this at is all. A senior big kids big all right fine all, then it's only for teenagers no 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 adults i want you can this. like um, legally you're not allowed to buy it if you're an adult you have to be a teenager um well why, this is- why are you in such a grumpy mood today then like, I don't know. I'm in a weird space. Me. I'm in a weird space. Today was a weird day. Yes. Uh, something I do want to point out is that in the press release, there was a line that says additional Academy program details, including the projected fixture list will be announced in the spring. So if we're not seeing the uh, first 15 of the arrows play in Toronto anytime soon, maybe it's the case that we get to see the Academy team play. It could be hopeful. Yes, it depends. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Who the opponents are, yeah. or maybe with the ex- maybe with the expanded player pool, maybe they just play each other for a bit. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. If so, yeah, you know, depending on we'll how have the fighting geese up against one of the other two teams. I don't, I don't care what the other. As long as one's called the fighting geese, called, that's all that matters. Yeah, we're still fighting for the fighting geese. It's you know, it's yeah. it's tricky because you know. Um, just depending on the age of you know age of these kids, right? Like, I mean, what was it? It's under twenty three. Is the senior academy? I think so. Yeah. I believe so. So, like, 
I mean, they're all college students. Um, mm -hmm. So I think the arrows will probably be careful about when and who and where they're going to be having these guys play, especially since we don't know what the summer it's going to look like. Um, but yeah, it, it'll definitely be exciting to see that, that list come out and see it does how they plan say, on. It does also say out. a projected fixtures list. And yeah. really that's anything, any, 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 any type of schedule is projected right now without COVID is kind of running rampant. And we'll talk about that later. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's move on guys, because um, LA kind of, pulled a, uh, a signing out of the ethos that has been rumored for quite some time. Um, Addy, uh, Adam Ashley Cooper, um, the, the Wallaby Centurion, signed for one more year. Um, he was playing in Japan, but uh, and it all, all signs seemed to be that he was retiring, minus the gossip and rumors of him signing with LA, and they finally confirmed it. It looks like he's already with the team, and and uh and hawaii with their training camp so my first question is um what does what does uh, aac bring to the team you know over 100 caps for the wallabies like i mentioned earlier so what does he bring to the team that experience essentially <laughs> um so he's been playing for uh he was playing with the Northern Suburbs since 2002. He's been playing uh, professional rugby since uh, 2005 with the Brumbies and then has had spells with the Waratahs as well. Um, yeah, 121 appearances for the Wallabies, scoring 195 points. Um I think he did say that he was retiring from the from uh, international duty prior to the last World Cup. Um, but this guy is known as Mr. Versatile. He's the fixer. He's the utility player that can fit anywhere in the back row. He's played center. He's played wing. He's played fullback. And he he's the guy that gets the job done and you know maybe with like the more senior players regardless of wherever you're playing in the world you want to have that guy that can just slot in where you need someone to be as opposed to um like the dedicated center or the dedicated winger because that's where you want the younger players to become more adjusted and more secure in where they will be playing for the majority of their careers um as a Wales fan and seeing Wales go up against Adam Ashley Cooper in the Australian squad numerous times, there's a bit of animosity, but just because of how good he is. He's one of those players that you, when you find out he's playing, it's great to see him, but you're annoyed because you have to play against him. You know, it's just one of those little like, ah, him again? Ah, oh, not again. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but no, he's a he's a player that's um, had a lot of respect um, from other players as well. Um, and he was rumored to be joining Austin last year, and of course, because of the pandemic, that never came to be. Instead, he was, um, as you said, off in uh, Kobe in Japan for the Steelers. But it's, uh, you know, I, I think that he, 
he can easily be in the starting 15, but I can see him more as like the impact player that comes on the bench. You know, he has to play for 20 to 30 minutes, but in that time he'll score four bonus point tries just on his own because he's that good. It, it's going to be very interesting to see because obviously um, LA has a lot of uh, big name signings in their team. So yeah, I'm really I'm really interested to see how LA uh, start this season. If he's scoring four tries in 15 minutes, you should probably start him. Uh, real realistically, <laughs> um, either way, I think it is uh, it's a massive signing for Major League Rugby. I mean, it's one of those guys that's you know he's been rumored forever. Um, so it's nice to see LA kind of make it official. A um, couple other big LA rumors still floating around out there too. Um, so I think ultimately what you kind of look at, I think is, you know, Adam Ashley Cooper is one of those guys that the like diehard rugby fans really are going to want to come out and watch. Um, so it might be kind of weird this year, considering there might be lack of opportunity to actually go out and watch, but definitely a reason to tune in on television um, in order to see what he does this year. Um, I think, you know, we kind of see it. It's like it, I think he's kind of kind of like my interest in watching him is kind of similar to like, you know, some of those, a guy like Bastero last year, where it's just like, I just kind of want to see what he does, even though like, you know, maybe the career is kind of winding down or whatever. Um, but I think the one thing though, I think you kind of look at LA's roster and LA's roster is nuts. I mean, you have a guy like Adam Ashley Cooper who, you know, he's got the 121 caps for the Wallabies, which is third all time for the Wallabies. He's got the third most tries in Wallabies history um, behind Chris Latham and David Campisi, which is David Campisi is an entire good career ahead of Chris Latham. So um, there's, you know, there's, there's quite the gap there. But um, I think when you kind of look at it, like LA could, you know, you could go with like a backline that has like, Nick Boyer, Luke Burton, Adam Ashley Cooper, Billy Meeks, Ryberg, DTH, and then like fullbacks kind of open, depending on maybe, you know, we've all heard the other rumors and stuff too. Um, but you know, it's it's a that's a high power back line, man. Um, like that's a and but I think the interesting thing with the Guiltinis, I think, is going to definitely be like you have all these big name guys, the uh, DTHs, the Adam Ashley Coopers, right? Like it's or even even like the guys that are in their pack too, right? And it's going to be interesting to be like, can, how fast can these guys actually like gel as a team, right? Because yeah. you know, training camp just started a couple of weeks ago and stuff. You got weird circumstances kind of going in. Um, so there, there's a lot of superstar talent on that team. Um, but how fast can Darren Coleman get them to gel together? Right. Like, I think that's going to be kind of a big thing. Whereas you kind of compare it to, you know, every, almost every other team in the league that has at least had some guys play together before. Um, or even teams like the Arrows, where it's like you can even go back to like pre MLR and these guys were all playing together because of the Ontario Blues program and stuff. Right. Um, so that I think. LA clearly from their expansion route went like they look like they were like, we're going to bring in like some of the biggest name guys that are going to be in the league. And that could be a good thing for marketing, but you also got to figure out how to make that work on the pitch from a coaching perspective, which I think could be, could yeah. be an interesting task that Darren Coleman has to do. And, 
you know, I think it'll be like they're one of the teams that it's like I can't wait to see them on the pitch, but I'm also like I'm curious to see how like like even Stu kind of alluded to how the lineup's going to look because a lot of their big name guys too are also foreign players, right? So you got to figure out how to get that to work within like the foreign player rules and stuff too, right? So there's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting interesting things that can be done with LA's roster. So I'm kind of, I am curious to see on the pitch. Um, I am also very curious to kind of like, I want to monitor, I guess, like the commercial impact that a guy like Adam Ashley Cooper has, because I don't know if it was just the way that it got rolled out, but it seemed like Luke Wilson taking a picture in a Seawolves jersey was almost a bigger deal than this um, to, to a weird expen- extent. And like the social media numbers are kind of similar too. I don't know if that was just Luke Wilson has a bigger draw to people that aren't necessarily rugby fans or the, the or it was just like the way the Giltini's kind of brought it out. I'm not really sure. Maybe there's something there too, but um i'm i am kind of i think curious. I, I go ahead dan go ahead yeah i, I just want to say i think i think one it's rollout i think the seattle seawolves have you know we can say one thing about how they've released their roster um, but they have a really strong communications team and they were very um they've done a very good job throughout their existence communicating with fans um, putting out content. Um, it's, it's always been a, a strong team. So I think you just got experience. I think that Luke Wilson was part of the Super Bowl winning Seawolves. So he's kind of got name recognition within the Seawolves community. And mm-hmm. it was kind of just ramped up in a very successful way. And I think in the opposite way, and we talked about um, off of the podcast that it was just kind of a weird rollout of how he was announced. Derek kind of found it on their website before it, it was put on to social. So it, it, it just seemed like a discombobulated mm. launch. And we've kind of talked about on this show and uh, other people have talked about it. The, the Giltinis haven't had the best comms team. And again, and I, I we know that they were they're actively looking for someone, so obviously they've new, either found somebody or have given up. New logo out of so, nowhere too for the Giltinis. They were just like, Here's, yeah, I'm interested to see logo. if that's a secondary like, what you, logo. What do you what do you guys think of it? Just yeah. curious. The thoughts on the I mean, uh, the, it, new, I, the new Giltinis logo, whether it's a secondary logo or a new primary logo or however yeah, they're using. Fine, it. it's it's a little cleaner, and I think. Uh, I People think, are more willing to wear a hat with that, you know, like instead of a rugby ball olive. Yeah, um, it's still a martini glass. Though. That, uh, yeah, I'm not. It's not changing the name though, which I think most people have the issue with. Um, but uh, didn't uh, Derek? Didn't you find that uh, Alex Corbiziero was giving a interview or something and the logo on hit the Giltini's logo that he had didn't did not have the martini yeah, glass it was, it. yeah as far so as, as I think I think it may be a combination of two things of like one they want to keep the like martini glass separate in order yeah. to promote that it's still a drink and the team is named after the drink although technically the drink doesn't exist and the team does so this will be the second time a drink has been named after a rugby team uh, so 
It's probably I mean, not that, the first time also, a drink's been named after a rugby team. I'm sure there's a couple throughout the world. Oh, absolutely. Well, the first uh, twice in MLR it's happened. So, yeah. uh, but the other point being that because I, I think one of the issues that uh, people had was like having replica kits or anything with the logo on it for children. Yeah, and then having to justify that, and of course, if um, for example, if they had the money to say sign a famous Muslim or somebody who's very strict about alcohol to their team, like say Sonny Bill Williams, who is very uh, limited on what he allows on his shirt. So for example, even when he was with the Wolfpack, um, the, the Super League logo couldn't have Betfred because um, it's gambling. And as a Muslim, he uh, cannot endorse gambling. So they gave him a special uh, logo that just had Super League on it. And you know, there's a lot of um, players in the United States where their religion has a big impact on them and, you know, their families as well. And it's kind of going to be a hard sell to say that you're part of a team that's got a cocktail named after you, but also that there's a martini glass on the logo as well. So it's very difficult to hide from it. So maybe, you know, separating the martini glass, putting that to a side and having you know, other merchandise with that logo on and then having a non-cocktail logo is a better sell for investors and for fans as well. And I mean, it's one, one of the same reasons why a lot of people with Austin are calling themselves AG Rugby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Austin's kind Working of around team. the situation. Yeah, they seem to be... Uh, this Austin seems to be diving headfirst in the AG Rugby thing. Um, yeah. So but... I think that I, I do think that's kind of interesting because I think like I, I was one of the few people that I feel like actually liked the Giltini logo and name and stuff when it first came out. But, you know, it was talking to like parents and stuff that were just like, I want to let my kid wear a martini glass or whatever as like, you know, on a shirt yeah. or hat or something to school, which is why I like it's not, I, I find it interesting that they have another logo now and it's just a martini glass. Like it's a stylized martini glass, right? That kind of almost yeah. At least with the old one, you still had the rugby ball in it. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like they took yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like that's, I find that kind of interesting. Um, but I will say though, seeing the like now that there's kind of like videos of like social media, the players, you know, at training in Hawaii, the color scheme is amazing. The pink, the pink oh, and yeah, blue yeah. no, looks. No, there was no issue about the awesome. color scheme. Like, like what the players are wearing does like it looks good. Like the color scheme's amazing. So I mean, I want to see the, if if we I do wonder, get a Miami team, they're gonna be pretty pissed about it. But <laughs> I mean, like, those are Miami colors. Well, I mean, but there's news you lose. There's no there's no pro some. sports team in Miami that primarily wears pink and blue. The Heat have an alternate uh, Miami period. Heat. Yeah, as an alternate. Yeah, but like they previously, the previously wore those period. colors. Like it was. It's an alternate. No, but they previously wore. Yeah, but they're, they're home and away. They wore those black. colors. But they're home and away. Right? God damn it. All right. You know what? Moving on because Derek is not listening. All right. Sticking with LA, uh, they have confirmed that they are to play at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum for five plus years uh, with a um, additional clause for extension. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, uh, not only is this uh, deal big, but the stadium is big 
This is uh, making the stadium is now officially the largest venue in MLR. Um, by a little bit, yeah. What are the <laughs> by a little bit by quite 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 amount large amount. What's, what's the capacity um, of the Coliseum again? It's like eighty thousand. Seventy-eight and a half thousand. Seventy-eight and a half thousand. Yeah, it Big holds the lo- the world record for the largest attendance at a baseball game with a uh, hundred. Uh, 115,000 fans. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's in 20 in 2008. It was the Dodgers versus the Red Sox, which makes sense. Um, but my question to you guys is what are the pros and cons of this deal? Like, well, I think immediately I had three thoughts, kind of three immediate thoughts, I guess, when I first heard that they were going to play at the LA Coliseum, or at least when I first heard that they were officially going to play at the LA Coliseum. So the first one, kind of off the back of what you literally just said, Dan, like the Dodgers, Red Sox, biggest crowd ever for a baseball game. It's you know, it's an iconic venue. Like there's like they've had Olympics have been hosted there. A lot of uh, you know, a lot of football games, a lot of baseball games. Like it's it's a very it's a very famous venue, and it's an icon- bit of an iconic sports venue for North, uh, American sports, right? So I think being able to say that you have a team playing in one of the, in an iconic venue is really cool and probably, you know, looks good to like sponsorship and everything. Um, the second thought was um, five year plus deal. Also a good thing, a little bit of stability, having a contract to, you know, be locked up in your home stadium for the first five years of your franchise. So that's a good thing. Um, and then my third thought was there is no way you can make that look good on TV. It's going to be like, even like du- you can double, triple, quadruple the MLR record crowds. It's still going to like, it's not going to get to 80,000. And then I kind of kept thinking about that, I guess. And I'm like, at least for 2021, does that matter? Everyone's playing in front of an empty stadium. Like, are you even going to notice that they're in the Coliseum? Cause you get, you get like a, a buffer year of like, you don't even have to worry about it. Cause no one's going to question an empty stadium behind you. Like on, like, cause everything's like, it looks bad on TV, but not this year because everyone's playing in front of empty stadiums. Okay. So you get one year. And then after that, yeah. So I mean, like maybe, yeah, exactly. After that. Okay. Maybe now it's going to be a little <laughs> weird. And I think even but you get, you, you get still a even notice. I mean, if they can really, they could do some really cool stuff with like ads. Yeah, like, like I wonder, I wonder seats, what it like, looked like. like what the NHL has done, like what the the yeah. Canadian teams have done. That would be really cool. Um, because you think, know you're not going to sell those seats, so just yeah, I I do think, up. I I do think realistically it is way too big. Um, like the stadium itself is way too big. Um, but. Like I, I don't know. I don't I don't think it's necessarily like all bad, but um I don't like, I don't think it's necessarily all bad. Like if that's where you gotta play too, like that's where you gotta play. But um, you know, there it, well, there would be some like positive things about it. It's like, you know, the um like the video, like the broadcasting setup there is probably really good mm. and stuff, right? Like there's yeah. the infrastructure that they have, press boxes, the locker rooms are nice, like all that kind of stuff is going to be really good. It'll probably, and I mean, even if it's not sold out and stuff, in all honesty, from a player's point of view, it'll probably be cool to say you played a game in the LA Coliseum. 
you know, be something you can look back on to say you did. Um, especially, you know, the guys that get to play like in the in the first game at the LA Coliseum or whatever, it'd probably be cool. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. If it goes well, like I, I'm not from LA, obviously. So it's like I've never even been to LA. So I don't know like what it's like as far as like ease of access and everything. But um I think I, I realistically, I think ultimately to me, this argument just comes down to it's it's cool that it's an iconic venue. And but the con is that it's probably way too big. But my secondary thought to that is just probably doesn't matter at least for 2021 because everyone's going to play in front of an empty stadium anyways so um 2022 maybe not maybe not houston and austin yeah i do not follow state covid laws nearly as much as i should but um but yeah i guess some 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 places will be allowed to have fans but i feel like it's it's generally going to be like i think even like the rugby atl over black game Right, I think they said that they had like around seven hundred people or something, which yeah. is like close yeah. to their capacity that they were allowed to have. Um, so like, I mean, like that's like that's that's fine and stuff. And I think, I mean, you know, if if the big knock is that the stadium's too big, this might be the one year you can kind of get away with it. <laughs> You're like, you can get uh, like, great. <laughs> yeah, you you might be able filling as many people as you it. can and spread them out. Yeah, you might as you yeah. might as well be you might be able to get away with it. But like going into the future, yeah, like it is too big. But if you want to try to put, I guess I'm trying. I guess I'm just trying to put a positive spin on my one con to them sure. signing with the yeah. LA Coliseum. Stu, but- I, I want to jump in because I, I I have yep. some po- I, I have a thought about what he, what Derek said. Oh no. Yeah. Um. No, no, I, I think it's an interesting point that you brought up about how um, players can say that they played in the Coliseum. You know, like, I got to play in the LA Coliseum. It's historic, you know, like, so yeah. many huge events have happened there. Um, but there's something to be said that I feel like if they were able to find a venue that might have been smaller, uh, lesser known, to say that this is our barn, this is our this is our 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 pitch you know like look at what you know uh the sea wolves have done with starfire now i know like there's been soccer teams that have played their pro soccer teams that have played there but they really made that that place their own um look at what um nola has done with their their new field um they've really kind of changed it and then uh, i was actually watching a video that was done about their commitments they actually purchased the field from yeah. from i believe it's like the tourism the New Orleans uh, yeah, tourism, Louisiana board. tourism, yeah. or something. Like Louisiana that. tourism board. So, like, I, I, I think that it's a good point, but I, I like to offer kind of the opposite of. It would have been really cool for the Guiltinis to find something that that they could have made their own. You know, you know, a I mean, pitch or, or a stadium that really could have. And again, LA, LA has a very similar problem with New York and Toronto. Yeah. Like, can't just put stadiums wherever space, you want. Space yeah. is, is minimal, so you know you work with what you got. And maybe yeah. there weren't a lot of viable options for a you know five thousand, six thousand, seven thousand seater stadium that would have been ready for this season. And the Coliseum just offered a really good a good package and a good price. Um, I just think it's going to look really, really bad. It's- It'll be and empty. I mean, it's going to be empty, and it's it's not going to um, unless they can really situate it in a good a good way. I just I don't see how this is going to look good post COVID. Yeah, unless post, they post COVID. Um, post COVID this year, I don't care. I don't care what. I just want rugby. I don't give a rip about what the, the <laughs> yeah, stands look like. I'm, they can I'm, put I'm like, yeah, LA, LA's going to play. Awesome. 
Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I I don't care. Uh, I but I think post their first year, especially after some of those guys like Adam Lee, Adam Ashley Cooper, and you know who knows, you know how many some of the guys like DTH. How long are they actually going to play for? Maybe they only play one more season. And they say my body can't take it anymore. I'm done. Um, but it's it's cool. I, I'm just curious on how it, it'll coincide with some of their players leaving after well, you know they're I mean, done with their careers and then COVID is over. And though, like, I mean, we did kind of do like our little goofy chat about where we would play like some random game, but like you know, it, it would be fun to see like even if it is like yeah, like some random one off games in like some big stadiums or something, it could be a fun thing in the future too depending on how well, like, you know, LA goes here, but, um, yeah, it's obviously Vegas weekend. It got, was kind of criticized for the size of the stadium versus attendance and it, um, not looking that great. Like as far as the TV optics would, were concerned. And I think people do have a, like, I think it's a genuine concern and stuff, but, um, I don't think it's all like doom and gloom here because, it is. It's a. It is kind of cool, man. It's a cool venue to uh, be able yeah, to. It is. It's very cool. In it, right? So, um, maybe they and you know what? Who knows? Maybe they can make it their own. Maybe it'll be like, you know, this takes off really well, and in twenty, you know, twenty thirty one, you know, the uh, the All Blacks are lifting the World Cup trophy in front of a gigantic Giltini logo in the LA Coliseum. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Stu, how did you feel about the announcement? Because it was quite the announcement. Well, it's been rumored for a long time that LA were going to be playing at the Coliseum. So this was more the confirmation than anything else. Um, and yeah, I'll agree with uh, both you guys of that it, it'll be great for 2021 for any social distancing measures put in place. Um, but afterwards, it's going to be a major problem but mm -hmm. to spin a positive it'd be not impossible i will say though that it's not just going to be the home of uh, the guiltinis it's also the home of the usc trojans football team but this is a college football team in one of the most well-known stadia in north america and even they can't sell out their home ground so I, feel I like think the Trojan, do the Trojans not do well? I feel like, like they're I feel like they're pretty popular, are they not? I feel like they're popular, but the they're stadium popular. is just, so large. Yeah, the that's stadium the wasn't it's made just for them, big. right? It, it was it, made it, for the it was made for Olympics. NFL teams. It was made for was it made, it was for, made for was it wait was it not made for the um someone Olympics. needs to fact check this was it not made in the, I will the I will Olympics? look at you guys chat and I will look at there's like the Olympic there's the Olympic rings on the arches at the entrance yeah. Or whatever, right? Yeah. So I think it was which, made for the first Olympics. Which Olympic. will realistically, if LA doesn't do like their team photo in front of that, I don't know what they're doing. They got to do like the team photo, the marketing yeah. stuff in front of that. That might be a side of a side well, bonus too. You can do some cool marketing stuff with the Coliseum in it. Oh, absolutely. I think the way that LA can really maximize this is that. They can appeal to that uh, USC Trojans crowd and say, "Oh, we have games on in oh, this yeah. ground that you all know so well, and the ticket price is going to be much more affordable than the anywhere between two thousand to three thousand dollars a year to get 
um, Trojans tickets uh, for your annual seat. So, okay. um, he is ready. Yeah. Okay. okay the Coliseum was, was commissioned in 1921 as a memorial to mm. LA veterans of World War One. Okay. Um, when it was f- like near when it was being completed in May of 1923, they realized, hey, the Olympics are in two years. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, in 1930, so seven years after it was done, they said, hey, let's expand it for the yeah. Olympics. So it was um, expanded at that back time. Back in the 20s, though. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, it's going to the 20s. Super cool. Okay. It's going to be its 100th anniversary in 2023. So having Ooh. the Guiltinis there would be a big deal for MLR. I think. Yeah. But actually, I think that would well be super that, cool. So Jeez. the good thing is that like you can, LA now yeah. would be to market the hell out of their team being at the Coliseum. Yeah. And say like everyone knows where the Coliseum is. That's where we play. Yeah. This is how mm-hmm. affordable a ticket to our game is. Come along. By the way, you've been in like lockdown or stay at home for the past anywhere between year to 18 months by the time yeah. everything mm. gets fixed, wouldn't you like to go outside and be in a social environment? And hopefully they can convince a lot of people to say yes. And then mm. they can set like the record attendance for however many games they want yeah. as they like. So the Trojans have been the tenants since the beginning. Like they've been there the longest, but there's yeah. been, it's crazy. So there's been one, it's been a bevy, two, quite Three, four, five, six, seven, eight different football teams that have been part of six different types of leagues. Mm-hmm. One of them, including a ladies, uh, a legends, a legends football league, which is American women's tackle football, hmm. and like a gazilla, a bunch of soccer teams. So it's <laughs> it's, it's the been, list it's, of tenants is is, is quite well, long. Yeah, it's, it's coming got, up on it's the got history. Coming up on the hundredth anniversary, then. Um, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great point, Stu. Like market during Trojans games. Um, like you know have make sure, have signage up in the in the stadium. Have you know have you know maybe like during halftime or during like you know a TV timeout or something. You have a Giltini's commercial play in the stadium. Um, I think yeah. that'd probably be something that you got to do. Um, you know, kind of make that partnership kind of also like help you out and work for you a little bit, right? So, yeah, um, offer offer student deals. Yeah. Also, now tickets like, for for USC students. Yeah, and and even you know, two years down the road, come up with something cool for the 100th anniversary of the stadium. Then, if if it like I I had no idea it was that old, but um, now that you guys are telling me that, that's super cool. So like, come up with something. You can even do something cool with that. Like put like a patch on the Giltini's jersey, right? Like do like. I mean, I'll use yeah, for sure. Like an I mean, example we here, for... you have the Giltini's logo, and then on this side, you could have like LA Coliseum 100 or something on it, right? Um, yeah, for yeah. sure. And then, yeah, you can you can kind of make that work or whatever. Get a little collector's item out of your kits and stuff. Still want to see those kits? Hopefully, we get to see them by 2023. Yeah. Um, I would imagine we will because they have to play two years. But no, they, they, it's the away kits. They're they don't. Have, they're just going to they wear the away kits. Kit, yeah, they're, maybe they're, maybe they're, the away kit has the silhouette of yeah. the. Maybe it has the silhouette of the Coliseum, and they were just waiting to confirm. It's those. Uh, it's <laughs> like <laughs> the, maybe, maybe the training tank top right, that guys. they've been wearing in Hawaii. That's what they're gonna wear. <laughs> well, it's because they have all great tans. So they want to show it off. There you go. All right, guys. So 
Derek mentioned it earlier. There was actual rugby on this weekend. Actual, actual rugby? Major League Rugby. Um, so uh, Rugby ATL had a silver versus black game. Um, the two Canadians uh, were both involved, Matt Heaton and Connor Keys. Connor Keys unfortunately got injured. Uh, sounds like it was an ankle injury, so we wish Connor a quick recovery. We uh, we would love to see him some more in Rugby ATL. Uh, so hopefully it's not too serious. But gentlemen, how did you think the game went um personally for me it was a little chaotic at best i mean they looked like they looked like an inner squad game with teams that have not played any rugby in almost a year close to a year so it was uh it was nice to see um it didn't really like it didn't really like you know fix the thirst that i have for mlr but uh, it was a good start it's a good, good little appetizer, I thought. Um, if you like scrums and lineouts, this this was the game for you. Um, there, was, <laughs> there was quite a bit of set pieces in this. Um, the line lineout to me from both the silver and the black team just really did not seem to be like clicking all that well. Whether it was Mon or Garicky throwing in, it just seemed a little discombobulated. Which you know, um, I you know, I guess it is what it is. The inner squad preseason game. Um, there are some players that, like you said, unfortunately, from a, from a Canadian point of view, um, unfortunately, Connor Keyes, um, left the game with an injury, as you said, hopefully he's okay. Matt Heaton, I thought looked really good though. Um, you know, he was involved in pretty much, you know, at the breakdown a lot throughout the game, demonstrated a high work rate, had some really nice tackles, um, had some nice tackles when, um, black was, you know, kind of pushing, edging close to the silver try line as well. Um, also still looks, looks like even though they didn't really officially say it, but if there's any indication of the fact that Matt Heaton was the captain of his inner squad team, I guess he's probably likely lined up to be the captain of um, rugby ATL once again. Um, so more, you know, chalk one up from Canadian captains running, uh, running major league rugby still every, every team has a Canadian now. So I assume all the captains will be Canadian, but I think the one thing though, is like kind of interesting in the game. I think the thing that kind of really stood out, to me from um so unfortunately as well kurt coleman their fly half look um got you know he had an et leg injury super early in the game like six minutes in i think it was um when he was on the receiving end of a tackle there and robbie petzer kind of came in from the center spot into playing fly half for the rest for most of the rest of the game and man like they got some fly half depth, some serious fly half depth down in Atlanta. So they even had a uh, Batista and Curza um, as well, who's playing fly half for silver. Um, I love that he tried the conversion drop goal from the touchline. I I like that that spirit. It fell short. I think it, it didn't fall short. It went just wide. But I do like that spirit. Um, probably wouldn't recommend doing that in an actual MLR game, but uh, <laughs> spirits there. So I, I'm fine with that. Um, but I mean, I only really saw it for like six minutes, but I feel like Coleman at 10 and Petzer at 12 is going to be a problem for a lot of Eastern Conference MLR teams. Um, that looks like a pretty good combination. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately, you know, I, who I, ultimately, I mean, it's one of those games where I'm like, man, I really want to pick it apart. But every time I do, I was just like, man, there's MLR rugby's back. This is great. Um, there's actual, actual, teams are playing hitting each other there's a couple other scrimmages today or two old glory dc had one um 
from a Canadian point of view on that, I think it was kind of most notable. Um, Luke Campbell playing flanker. Um, he was wearing the sixth jersey for blue. And then they had a, a, a Canadian center duo with uh, Hernan Frazier um, in 12 and 13 on white. So, you know, Frazier, the leading try scorer on the team last year, it looks like they're going to sh- – Looks like they're thinking, at least based on that roster, possibly maybe shifting him from the wing back to center, which, you know, probably might benefit Frazier because he's arguably, you know, just as good, if not better, as a center. Um, so they they definitely kind of showing they have their options there. Um, and then it looks like, yeah, you know, seeing all the photos from training camp and stuff, man, it's like you said, I don't know if it uh like you said, then like I don't know if it completely like it definitely didn't completely quench the thirst man but that's that was a great appetizer i thought do you guys have any any thoughts on you know the silver and the black or the uh the old glory game or any other mlr kind of rugby that you happen to stumble across and watch well i thought the silver and black game um if i was new to the sport i wouldn't say it was like the best um, like you said, it didn't uh, quench the thirst. Yeah, it's a pre—I mean, it's a preseason inner squad game, guys. It's it, not... it was a nice starter before yeah. the main course. To, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't the Six Nations but, final or something. Like, yeah. Um, but at the same time, it—I uh, wouldn't take away too much from this. Obviously, I think this was more for the coaches than it was for the fans to see um, who works where, who um, works better under high pressure environments and what needs to be focused on um until that's the now and the start of the main season so um it's nice to see if this if this is the pitch where the arrows will be playing their games for the uh 20 for the start sorry of the 2021 season um you know they have a good setup um one of the, one of the issues i had from more of a technical standpoint that because it was on facebook there was the concerns of being um, copyright striked because of the music within the stadium. So uh, trying to follow along only to have the audio like cut out wasn't the best, but you know, you make do with what you can. Um, it's, it is, it is good to see rugby in at a time, which isn't stupidly early in the morning, which was the <laughs> world cup or, um, you have to be up at 9 a.m. on a Saturday to watch it. So Ooh. it is... Not, 9 a.m. is stupidly early to you? No, I wow. said stupidly I'm... early if it was in Japan for the World Cup. Ah. Or you have to, or you can't have a lie-in on a Saturday morning. You have to... Yeah, I, I assume that was in reference to the Six Nations being at like 9 or 10. Or any um, UK-based yeah. rugby, really. Yeah. Just, um, you're, but... you're lucky. You're lucky if you consider 9 a.m. Like, that's... I feel like I, I consider 9 a.m. sleeping in if I don't wake up until 9 now. It's weird. I yeah, feel like exactly. I'm an adult. That's the I have to set an alarm. Uh, I don't want to talk about sleep, guys. I really. <laughs> <laughs> Remember sleep? It's that thing that yeah. used to happen. <gasps> we have a rugby That's podcast, a, guys. It's we just can't a sleep. simple, seems like a simple, simple thing a long time ago in another life. I think, you know, watching the rugby ATL game, and, you know, we're. What do we? Yeah, I guess. Oh, I guess it's March. We're in the yeah. open month of major. Yeah, League yeah. fewer than three on. weeks until fewer the season weeks. kicks off. I feel like, and I know, like we're probably going to do it. Everybody else is probably going to do it too. But like, 
at some point we'll have like we'll come on this podcast and we'll drop like the the week one predictions and everything right i I feel like week one of the mlr season is going to be the most unpredictable week in the history of the league because I feel like there's going to be that small part that's like, yeah, there's no president to, to yeah, you year have off of rugby, but it's also like, yeah, exactly. You have a, you've most of the guys in the league have essentially played, you know, maybe you've played inner squad games like the silver and black or like the high performance camp for rugby Canada. So maybe you've played inner squad games. Looks like a few teams. Maybe you'll get in some exhibition games, but it's going to be March 20th. And I remember this because my birthday is March 25th. And me and my girl and Rooney and Toronto were going to play like March 20th, 21st, whatever the weekend was last year. Yeah. So our plan was to drive down to New York to watch the arrows and Rooney and then just like tour in New York. And that was going to be like my birthday weekend thing. So it's going to be essentially a full like 52 weeks or like, I guess, just over 52 weeks. The last game would have been the week before. Right. So everyone's on over a year without a lot of guys are just on over a year without playing like a proper game. Um, Right. And it'll be, I think it'll be interesting to see what that actually looks like. Right. And I think a big factor in this season and like, I know, like I was talking about like if the LA Giltini is like, how, how do you get the, the superstars to gel together in training camp and how, how is that going to shape up and stuff? And I think, a big factor for at least the opening couple of games is just going to be like what team actually comes out the gate on fire, like who can actually like hit the ground running the first like three, four weeks of the season in order to, you know, to get mm-hmm. off to that hot start might be a, might be a big thing. Well guys, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Cause we got a few more things that we want to talk about before we end the show. And one of the things was announced, I believe today. Um, and we were recording on uh, Tuesday, March the 2nd is that, Following World Rugby's recommendation, the Women's World Cup uh, 2021 has been postponed for another year. Um, This isn't actually the first major sporting event in New Zealand for 2021 uh, that has been canceled. The the Cricket World Cup was supposed to happen this year, and it also has been postponed. So, um, you know, know, for a second there, I thought you were going to bring up a New Zealand curling tournament that got canceled. No. (laughs) Um, but with the tournament being six months away, guys, is this the right call? And I want to kind of, uh, before I, I, I throw it to you guys, I want to kind of talk about um, one article that I read. Um, Alice Soper, who is a Wellington Pride player um, in New Zealand, she expressed her concerns over the postponement for, for many reasons. Um, and, and one of the big ones is is player welfare in terms of, what the hell are they going to do? I mean, like these 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 women had had set up basically to to leave their jobs and and go play rugby for I don't know how long the tournament will be um, September the eighteenth to October so almost a month they're all going to have to leave their jobs and and go if they if they needed to right and now we're postponing another year so what are they going to tell their jobs ha psych uh, this year Actually, I'm not going to need to do it. I'm going to need to do it next year. Um, if anyone's ever tried to book time off with their jobs, they know that that is an incredibly difficult thing to do. So 
add that on top of that. And then you've got other, other people like, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the premier 15, you know, how many of the Canadians and Americans have gone over and played on these teams and with the new rules that the, that the RFU uh, are trying to put onto the league where you cap international players, that is going to hamper all of those uh, uh, women trying to play at the highest level they can. And who knows if they can financially even afford to do it another year. Like mm. some of these people, it was for some of these ladies, it was just a chance to play the top level for a year and then go play the world cup and then go back to their regular lives. Like it's not enough money to, to, to live off of, you know, the, 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 the premier 15s is a great step towards professionalism in women's rugby, but it's, it's not enough. It really isn't. So that is my concern is that, yeah, like I understand the reasoning that COVID-19 COVID has destroyed sports. Like some sports have not been able to recover and rugby has hung on by a thread. Um, but for me, my heart just breaks for, for some of these women. Like they might not be able to play next year because of the fact that just in terms of their own personal lives, they're not, going to be able to financially take care of it and that's just another part of your life that like you have to push back i mean if if i was someone that that was working with my partner and saying if they're thinking about having children after the world cup that's then postponing decisions like that another year or if they wanted to buy a house or if they wanted to get married but they wanted to wait till after the world cup all those major life decisions they have to push back another year because oh it looks like i have to another spend another year in uh, New Zealand or France or England to, to get ready for the world cup. So that's my biggest gripe about this move is, is it seems that this was just kind of done without input from the players, but I have a feeling that most of the decision-making was based on the finances and not possibly having fans in the stands if it came down to it. So what do you guys think? I mean, I think it's, a lose-lose situation because of COVID. It's either you host a tournament that you have to then quarantine 11 fully full teams, including players, staff, backroom staff that aren't even on the pitch, and they have to quarantine for at least two weeks. Then they do pre-training in New Zealand, I guess. Um, and then have this tournament, which may or may not have um, anyone in attendance, because that's the thing. Because New Zealand has been so strict and therefore so successful with their lockdown, that anything, if anything were to happen, then the tournament's delayed by a week because they need to ensure that everything's okay. Like Auckland recently went into back into lockdown because of a couple of new cases. In that city, and that's just like two people, maybe even three. But they've they that's how serious they take COVID is that this needs to be done. And then the alternative, which is the route that they've taken, is to postpone it a year at the um, as you mentioned, like the onset of problems that will be affecting um, these athletes both in New Zealand and the rest of the world because. I know that the RFU is keen to push through this maximum of two foreign players to a Premier 15s team. And that's going to decimate Exeter 
and the league as a whole, I feel. A lot it? of teams, yeah. It's not just... Exeter is the Exeter one that was most... most vocally upset about it, but, I mean, that's going to... Like, even, yeah, like, it's... the Saracens dressed three just Canadians last on the weekend. Yeah. Right? Like, it's... They... that's not. Even, I'm not even counting the players of other nationalities. It was just, there's yeah. teams that have more than two, like, Canadians or more than two Americans, yet alone... Yeah when you actually start adding up all the nationalities on the team. Yeah. So I don't know where the RFU is planning to go with this in the sense of they may say, Oh, because the world cups cancel will postpone this move for a year. But I think that's more morally based than financially based. And if the financial decision is to just reduce it to two uh, international players, then that is going to definitely hamper the premier 15s as a whole but that and and that's the problem is in no one can win in this situation it's covid wins that's the only winner and that's not a winner yeah i think it obviously sucks i mean you guys went through a long list of reasons why it sucks but i mean like i'm i'm just like i I don't know like what do you do what do you want like argue like i don't know i don't really know what you do here um, that sucks. I guess the only thing maybe like what kind of prep I know, like the le- in the press release said, you know, it's like the challenges include uncertainty and the ability for teams to prepare adequately for the tournament, which might be a fair point. Cause I don't know how many like pre-match tests teams would be able to have, um, given the environment right now, um, and therefore, it's like, does the quality of the actual rugby played at the world's biggest tournament and biggest advertisement for your game, maybe that kind of takes a little bit of a hit. And maybe you're better off, you know, holding off on a year and you can get the best possible performances out of everybody. Um, but I really, I really don't know. Um, I guess that's a, that's kind of a subject. Uh, arg- arguments thing. that it, yeah, arguments that have been made is that like, well, they could put yeah. their money where their mouth is. You know, Stu kind of talked about the barriers that were kind of facing the World Cup, and part of it was money. And you know, the World Cup could have that's probably put their their weight, their money behind it, and and done something about it. I mean, that's a lot to ask of a governing body. By the same time, like if we want tournaments like this to to survive and and, and thrive, that needs to happen. I mean, other other arguments is that it's also kind of a political decision because of the mm-hmm. fact that they weren't going to have they were going to have to decide three of the teams because they haven't they still haven't had qualifying tournaments yet. Yeah, and you're you're six. And it's like six away. months away. So, that, so like, how are they going to practical thing too? Like, how do you how do you squeeze those in? Um, yeah, you gotta. I mean, Super, too, you gotta cooperate with the New Zealand government too. Like. It's yes. Soper Soper in her in her release kind of said that like or in her article that when she was interviewed is that like I guess in New Zealand proper they haven't really done a good job advertising it either. Mm. Um just in terms of I mean maybe maybe that's uh, because like who knows if you could even go to it. And I mean obviously now you, you can't go to it, right? <laughs> maybe that maybe but I mean like, she's saying she's saying that the cricket world cup was getting more advertising in more cricket news like the black caps caps in new zealand well yeah but it's like it's still like 
I mean, yeah, if, if we had like, I don't know, like the world baseball classic or something, it's still be a big deal up here, even if it's not, you know, even if it's not hockey or whatever. I'm, I'm just using the words of a New Zealander, right? Yeah. Like it's not my, no, no, I'm no. Just yeah. stating I just what she's saying. Right. Like, so she says that if, if we are postponing, let's build some momentum here. Like, yeah, I let's think invest into stuff do. like, like the, 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 the uh, Farrah Palmer cup, which I believe is, is comparable to the okay. mitre 10. Yeah, you know, let's 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 throw money into that. Let's get some test matches going. Let's let's really, you know, get this going. Like, let's really put our our money where our mouths are and 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 support the women in in this tournament. Because if we don't have these 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 um these leagues running and and giving everybody an opportunity, then it's just not going to. Yeah, there's going to be no no difference in terms of quality this year and next year. I think I think that's at what least you, on the pitch. Yeah, I think that's what you got to do though. It's like, you know, lean into like the Premier 15s, the Farrah Palmer Cup. You know, promote those the top level of like women's club rugby. You know, all the unions and stuff. You know, make sure you have like a decent run of test matches for everybody to play in the build up. You know, get everyone playing at the you know the peak of their ability going into the World Cup, and then. Yeah, you know, hopefully, like you can maybe kind of like use that year to be like, you know, build that up, and then, you know, you have a great World Cup in twenty twenty two. Um, and, I mean, other than that, like I don't know what you what you do too, because it's like if the yeah, New Zealand sure. government at the end of the day is being like, no, we're not doing this, then, you know, no matter what your like the opinions and stuff from a rugby perspective. They don't matter if New Zealand's like if the New Zealand government's like no, like we're not doing it, right? It's kind of you don't really like at that point. It just kind of comes down to what the New Zealand government's going to say, and if they're just like, you know, I mean, you could put out all the the press release with different reasons and stuff, or you know, try to explain it. But at the end of the day, if the New Zealand government's just like, yeah, this isn't happening, um, right? Because like, I mean, even that, like, that's still. Like they're playing pro rugby in New Zealand, but they're like, they're not like even super rugby, super rugby had to break up like into the AU and the Ateora competitions because they were like, well, well, we're not crossing borders, man. Like that's, and it's, so it's like, yeah, international. I don't know. Although I don't really know. Like, did they do the cricket world cup? Like, is that a thing that's actually happened this no, year? No, it's been postponed as well. It's been put. Po- yeah. So there you so go. 2022. All right. So there but, you but that's go. not, that's not what her argument, her, her argument yeah. was that it's just not being, like either world no. rugby or tourism New Zealand are not putting the effort into advertising it within As they the should. community. So okay. So I mean that, that's probably a fair criticism. I'm not in New Zealand, so I don't know how the advertising is yeah. actually going there. But so yeah, I mean she's probably got a an excellent point. Um, but yeah, I think like ultimately, like I feel like I would rather have a great 2022 tournament than a mediocre 2021 tournament, though. Even if it means I got to wait a little bit. I think for me, that's still, that's still ignoring the human aspect of it. But I mean, yeah. when, when, a, mean, when a sport is as small as rugby, unfortunately people are going to have to miss out and other people are going to raise their hands up. And especially with the, yeah. with the Olympics happening this year, there will be an influx of talent for all the top teams that will now if be the Olympics open. happen this year another right that's like, we're not even yeah. gonna get into that we're not gonna get into that yeah that's the whole thing <laughs> what's going on like i mean even other stuff like what's going on with the lions tour like what's going on with yeah you know, and and, and that's thing right like there's so much stuff that's up in the air like one like 
international, like big international tournaments just, I don't think are happening right now. Like what was like, when was the actual, like a pro like what proper international sporting event? I, I guess, well, I guess, I mean, I'm saying this and I'm like the six nations is a thing that's happening literally right now, <laughs> but like a wide scale, like, like a proper continental. Yeah. Like, I guess least. like, like a world cup esque, like you have like multi, like 16 nations converging onto one country. Oh, I mean, Scotty's was, tournament of hearts had multiple teams in it that involved the bubble. I mean, that um, I, I was going to say the, the Euros, the Euro 2020, which is now taking place Euro 2021. Oh, yeah. Is um, like multiple locations across Europe. Yeah. Which at the time seemed like a great and innovative yeah, idea, like which gonna... obviously hasn't uh, exactly come to pass. But I think the idea has been, especially within the UK and will take place across the rest of Europe, is that vaccination is now moving ahead so much that by the summer, it will be in a position where, you know, the restrictions you have in stadia across Europe is far. Um, those restrictions are removed and therefore you can have full capacity games because the majority of people are vaccinated or you need to be vaccinated to appear in the stadium. So um, it'll happen. But obviously that's um, to be seen, if that is. All right. Well, well, let's finish it off, guys, because there is some more kind of shameful rugby stuff that we got to finish off with. And uh, I wanted to kind of go on to the show and talk about how thrilling that, that Wales win over England was and, and talk about how Ireland got back into the good graces of the rugby gods with a win. Um, unfortunately we left the weekend and left the six nations with fallout that was kind of just disgusting to see. Um, if anybody really wants to know more about it, I mean, uh, look what happened with Sonia McLaughlin, a reporter who was interviewing uh, Owen Farrell and some other uh, players and coaches. And look at the the toxic, just abuse that she got. And and Ellis Genge, who, and like self admittedly, did not behave in his own standards when uh, they made the tunnel for the Wales team and didn't clap. Like he admitted himself that he was just lost and thought about a big loss. Um, you know, he received death threats. Um, both statements were made by both um, uh, the RFU and the uh, Wales Rugby Union condemning the abuse. But in a sport that is constantly flaunting its morals and values and we're a team, you know, it takes 15 men to win a rugby game. And, you know, we are, there's a, there's a core values. We speak to the ref properly and only the, co- only the, the, the captain can argue with, uh, you know, discuss with the, the, the ref and, you know, rugby has set this kind of standard for themselves. And then to see this toxic part of sport. And if anybody really wants to, look at it i don't want to really name list off things here uh go online look it up there are tons of articles written about it um you can even just go to reddit and look at some of the things people say about uh about rugby players so my question to you guys and we're going to kind of finish the show off is can rugby's values really be upheld through social media you know should should um there be kind of a uh community uh, social media liaison that is just muting and blocking all these comments. I know it's it's a thankless job, but 
like these are these are humans that they're they're attacking and no they're like rugby is not the only sport that has this problem but rugby is also one of those sports that also flaunts its morals so does something need to happen or are we kind of just stuck in a crappy situation i think when, whenever stuff like this happens i think as you kind of said then it's best to remember that everybody's human um we're all kind of like rugby players or people at the end of the day they happen to be people with really cool jobs but at the end of the day they're people um i think when things like this happen i'm always one of my absolute favorite sports quotes of all time um from the legendary montreal canadians goaltender jacques plant um was how would you like a job where every time you made a mistake a big red light goes off and eighteen thousand people boo now Jacques Plante is obviously kind of referring to the very specific nature of uh, the hockey goal light um, in being a goalie, but it does kind of like apply to, you know, all sports, right? It's like when you, you know, when you make a mistake and stuff in sports, it's like you, unfortunately, like you have to go home and like guys have to hear everybody criticizing everything that they did on the pitch or on the ice or on the court or whatever. And, you know, on, people tag them in it people often you know hurl like abuse and stuff and you know i it and it, it is terrible right like i mean i know like for me like i i made a pretty big mistake at work last week and i'm really happy that i didn't have to come home to be like you know open up twitter and see everybody being you know saying awful things because i made a mistake at work or you know, I have to like come home and be like, Hey, podcasts are now talking about all the mistakes I made while I was at work today or TV coverage and stuff. Right. Like it's, it, it is, it is tough. It's like, it, it is, it's tough. It's nuts. Um, especially to like the reporter, um, Sonia McLaughlin from like, that was being ridiculed too for her post-game interview. And it's like the questions she asked in that post-game interview were fine. Um, like, I'm not sure why like why people are really like attacking her for it like what do you like yeah they england just got their butts kicked like what do you want her to be like you know it's like what what kind of pizza are you hoping for in the locker room after like i don't like what positive spin do you want her to put on that they got smoked um some questionable officiating, but even that too some questionable officiating decisions and the refs getting abused and stuff too right like um, again, because you you make a mistake and it, it it's super unfortunate. I don't know if there's anything like like I mean I don't know. I think the thing is you just gotta remember everybody. It's like we're all you know at the end of the day like we're all human and stuff. And it, rugby rugby as passionate as everyone is about it at the end of the day is a, is also a game, right? Like it's supposed to be fun, fun for you know if you win, fun if you lose. And I just. Yeah, I, I think it's it, it's terrible to see things like that happen. And, you know, even like the Ellis Genge thing, like I'm just like, I'm who cares if he like why? Like, who cares if he clapped? Like, honestly, like, why is that a thing? Um, And I mean, like the even like the, the reporter, like Owen Farrell answered all the questions. It's not like he was like, that's a dumb question or anything to her. It was just like, I don't know. It's just bunch of people being like i guess they have it's tough too because i know like when she was mentioning it too like it's like social media and stuff like you can at people so it's like when you have something like vitriol to say it's like 
like you know what i mean like it's it's brutal because it's like you can just open up your app mentions and it's just people like screaming at you like it can be um it can be brutal and like i think ellis Gange thing is such an interesting thing is because people are mad at him because he wasn't polite and clapping yeah the opponents like i get the respect in rugby but like the guy just was part of a team that just lost against their butts kicked in that game too. they got their butts kicked and like in yeah. like that gig that game would be traumatic to be a part of if i was i was an england player so yeah, yeah i'm i'm i might not be clapping because i'm going to be running through my head like if I was starting, would I have been, would I have made more difference? You know, like he wasn't, he was on the bench for, for the first, you know, half of the game. It's like, you're no, would I made more of a difference? Oh, like, like, so I don't blame him for that. And then he got death threats over it. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it's, 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 which is obviously too it's, much. It's the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of it is that a guy didn't uphold the values of rugby. So I'm not going to uphold the values of rugby. Yeah, by exactly. Death threats. It's, it's, it, it, it is entirely ridiculous, but I think it's one of these things that we like. We, it's easy for us or people like us to say, oh, these aren't real fans of rugby. They're just the, you know, they're only around for the internationals. They expect England or Wales to like dominate or any opposition and just walk it. And when it doesn't, they're the ones on it. But even a casual fan of rugby is still a fan of rugby. And mm -hmm. to just ignore it or pass it off isn't, isn't going to help anyone. I think for a few people as well, that this isn't new. It's just being exposed on a grander level. Yeah. There's, there's no reason to issue death threats to anybody over a rugby game. No, it's... Or so I think someone made like the great comparison is that um, is like watching um, an Avengers film, and when uh, so in say at the end of Infinity War, when your favorite Avenger gets dusted, you go on Twitter and you send a death threat to Josh Brolin because he played Thanos and he was the guy who did that. It's it's stupid. I think I'm not denying anyone can have an opinion on like certain players or even on the referee because there were a lot of people that had opinions on the referee although clearly he uh, made all the correct decisions i'm not biased at all um <laughs> but at the same time if oh you can God. you can say that was a poor performance by england or words to that effect and you don't have to single out any single person on twitter and even if there is a player that you don't like, don't include that app. You're just being a dick at that point. It's oh yeah. And the other the other part of this the other part of this is that those people like there there we also need to acknowledge that there's just people that like are so unhappy with their lives they want to make other people miserable to get onto their level. And I think we also need to acknowledge that. Like we can send these warnings out and be like, don't be a dick, and people will be like. I'm going to be a dick because I hate my life and I'm going to be well, making like, people miserable. I mean, I don't, yeah, like, and like that's in every facet of life. Like, there's, I think they're doing anything that's, yeah, they're bored and, and they're angry they're and they're, they're stuck inside. They're, they've been stuck inside, especially in the UK. The government have like gone back and forth on what needs to be done before things can reopen. The one solace is watching their international team 
play, you know, the old enemy down the road, down the M40 or whichever motorway it is. Please don't come at me. I'm sorry. You're, hey, you're the one that <laughs> but, lives there. You tell you tell me, man. Lived. Lived there. there. I'm, I'm going to live there in a few years now. But um, And then they lose. And then it's just a continuation on top of it. I'm not, like, justifying it or, like, for, um, condoning them by any means because, like I said, just don't be a dick online. But when people have been in this kind of environment and they just want to let it out and they don't know how to properly communicate their feelings, then this is the kind of things that happen. Plus, there's the notion of like anonymity that, oh, if you post something online, if you don't use your real name or if you have like an anime picture for your avatar, then no one's going to be able to find out it was you or you're not going to have the same effect. Which is clearly not true. Just don't don't be a dick. There, I, th- I think that's a good message to end on. Yeah, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. I mean, rugby players are people too, man. Like, there's no- rugby players, rugby coaches, rugby referees. Like you've like you've never made a mistake in your life. Come on. No, ex- exactly. It's just as Jacques Plant said. It's like the difference is when I make a mistake, I don't get yelled at by you know a bunch of strangers that I've never met before. So. Um, just I don't know. I feel like that's one of those things. Like, yeah, just keep that in mind. It's like whatever everyone makes mistakes, and it's you know, there's there's no there's no need to for for the language and stuff that was that was used directed at realist any English or um Welsh the ref or you know reporters after the game and stuff. And yeah, ultimately, don't be a dickhead. And we're going to end our show off with that. Thank you, Derek. Um, if you guys want to listen to more of our episodes, please go to LaRue's Rugby on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube for uh, if you want the video format. Um, also, uh, if, you, if you're feeling so inclined, give us a rating. We'll let us know how, how we did. Um, contact us on Twitter, Instagram. We're pretty active on both. So please let us know what you want to see, who we want to talk to next and everything. And, uh, We will see you because I'm sure in the next few weeks we will have more news to talk about.